with a true heart and confess our sins unto God our Father, beseeching Him in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ to grant us forgiveness. Our help is the name of the Lord. I said I will confess my transgressions unto the Lord. Almighty God, merciful Father, I, a poor, miserable sinner, confess unto Thee all my sins and iniquities with which I have ever offended Thee, and justly deserve thy temporal and eternal punishment. But I am heartily sorry for them, and sincerely repent of them. And I pray thee of thy boundless mercy, and for the sake of the holy, innocent, bitter sufferings and death of thy beloved Son, Jesus Christ, to be gracious and merciful to me, a poor, sinful being. Upon this your confession, I, by virtue of my office, as a called and ordained servant of the word, announce the grace of God unto all of you. And in this stead and by the command of my Lord Jesus Christ, I forgive you all your sins in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Say to my soul, I am your salvation. When the righteous cry for help, the Lord hears. The Lord saved him out of all his troubles. This is God our God forever and ever. I will open my mouth in a parable. I will utter dark sayings from of old. We will tell the coming generations the glorious deeds of the Lord and His might and the wonders He has done. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. Say to my soul, I am your salvation. When the righteous cry for help, the Lord hears. Lord, have mercy upon us. Christ, have mercy upon us. Lord, have mercy upon us. Glory be to God on high. We praise Thee, we bless Thee, we worship.
worship thee. We glorify thee. We give thanks to thee for thy great glory. O Lord God, heavenly King, God the Father Almighty, O Lord, the only begotten Son, Jesus Christ, O Lord God, Lamb of God, Son of the Father, that takest away the sin of the world, have mercy upon us. Thou that takest away the sin of the world, receive our prayer. Thou that sittest at the right hand of God the Father, have mercy upon us. For Thou only art holy, Thou only art the Lord. Thou only, O Christ, with the Holy Ghost, art most high. In the glory of God the Father. Amen. The Lord be with you. Let us pray. Almighty and merciful God, of your bountiful goodness, keep us from all things that may hurt us, that we may be ready in both body and soul, may cheerfully accomplish whatever you have for us to do. Through Jesus Christ, thy Son, our Lord, who liveth and reigneth with thee in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. The Old Testament lesson, this for the 19th Sunday after Trinity, is written in the, in the 20th chapter of the first book of Moses, commonly called the Genesis, beginning at the 10th verse. Jacob left Beersheba and went to Haran. And he came to a certain place and stayed there that night because the sun had set. Taking one of the stones of that place, he put it under his head and lay down in that place to sleep. And he dreamed. And behold, there was a ladder set up on the earth, and the top of it reached to the heavens. And behold, the angels of God were ascending and descending upon it. And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord God, the God of Abraham, your father, and the God of Isaac. And the land on which you lie I will give to you and your seed. And your seed will be like the dust of the earth. And you shall spread abroad to the west, to the east, to the north, and to the south. And in you and your offspring shall all the families of the earth be blessed. Behold, I am with you, keep you wherever you go, and will bring you back to this land. For I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. Then Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I did not know it. He was afraid and said, how awesome is this place. There is none other. This is none other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. 
This is the word of the Lord. O Lord, I call upon you, hasten to me. Give ear to my voice when I cry to thee. Let my prayer be counted as incense before thee, and the lifting of my hand as the evening sacrifice. The epistle lesson is written in the fourth chapter of St. Paul's letter to the church at Ephesus, beginning at the 22nd verse. Put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life, and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and to put on the new self, created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger, and give no opportunity to the devil. Let the thief no longer steal, but let him rather labor doing honest work with his own hands, so that he may have something to share with anyone who is in need. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. Alleluia! Praise the Lord, all nations. Extol him, all peoples. Alleluia! Gospel is written in the ninth chapter of St. Matthew, beginning at the first verse. Glory be to thee, Lord. Getting into a boat, Jesus crossed over and came to his own city. And behold, the people brought to him a paralytic lying upon a bed. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said unto the paralytic, Take heart, my son, your sins are forgiven. And behold, some of the scribes said to themselves, This man is blaspheming. But Jesus, knowing their thoughts, said unto them, Why do you think evil in your hearts? For which is it easier to say, Your sins are forgiven, or rise and walk, but that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins? He then rose to the paralytic and said, Rise, pick up your bed and go home. And he rose and went home. When the crowd saw it, they were afraid, and they glorified God, who had given such authority to men. This is the Gospel of the Lord.
I believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and of all things visible and invisible, and in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, begotten of his Father before all worlds, God of God, light of light, very God of very God, begotten not made, being of one substance with the Father, by whom all things were made, who for us men and for our salvation came down from heaven and was incarnate by the Holy Ghost of the Virgin Mary and was made man and was crucified also for us under Pontius Pilate. He suffered and was buried and the third day he rose again according to the scriptures and ascended into heaven and sitteth on the right hand of the Father and he shall come again with glory to judge both the quick and the dead whose kingdom will have no end. And I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Lord and giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son together is worshipped and glorified, who spake by the prophets. And I believe in one holy Christian and apostolic church. I acknowledge one baptism for the remission of sins, and I look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen.
Have you heard about the madman who lit a lantern in the bright morning hours and ran into the marketplace and incessantly cried, I seek God! I seek God! And as many of those who did not believe in God were standing around just then, he provoked much laughter. Has he got lost? cried one. Did he lose his way like a child? asked another. Or emigrated? And thus they yelled and thus they laughed. And the madman jumped into their midst. And he pierced them with his eyes. Whither is God? he cried. I will tell you. We've killed him. You and I, all of us, are his murderers. But how did we do this? How could we drink up the sea? Who gave us a sponge to wipe away the entire horizon? What were we doing when we enchained the earth from its sun? Whither is it moving now? Whither are we moving? Away from all suns? Are we not plunging continually? Backward, sideways, forward in all directions? Is there still an upward or a down? Are we not strained as though through infinite nothing? Do we not feel the breath of empty space? Has it not become colder? Is not night closing in continually upon us? Do we not need to light lanterns in the morning? Do we not hear as yet the noise of the gravediggers who are burying God? Do we not smell something of its decomposition? Because God's too decomposed and God is dead. He remains dead and we have killed him. And how shall we comfort ourselves, the murderer of all murderers? What was holiest and mightiest of all that the world has yet owned has bled to death under our knives. What festivals of atonement, what sacred games must we invent? Is not the greatness of this event too great for us? Must we not ourselves become gods simply to be worthy of it? There has never been a greater deed. Whoever is born after us for the sake of this deed, he will belong to a higher history than all histories hitherto. Here the madman fell silent. And those who were in the marketplace stared at him with astonishment, shocked astonishment. At last he threw his lantern on the ground and it broke in pieces and went out. I've come too early, he then said. My time is not yet. The tremendous event is still on its way, still wandering. It has not yet reached the ears of men. Lightning requires time. Thunder requires time. Deeds require time. This deed is still distant from us. It's still on its way. And yet they have done it to themselves. It has been related that further that day, that same day, the madman went into various churches. And there he struck up his requiem eternum deo and let out and called to account. He is always said to have replied, nothing but, after all are these churches now nothing but sepulchers of a dead God. So wrote Friedrich Nietzsche 130 years ago. And doesn't it seem like we're living in that world now? It seems to me maybe that the event has finally reached us. Because what we thought was up now is declared to us to be down. What we thought was always true is called now a lie. We live in a world that doesn't even know what a woman is, or a man for that matter. 
doesn't even know what is right. We don't even know what is wrong. We don't know what is hot. We don't know what is cold. We don't know anything, do we? Has the event reached us finally, 130 years later? Friedrich Nietzsche is an interesting person. He had two Lutheran grandfathers, and his father was a Lutheran pastor. He grew up in a parsonage back when catechism was very strict and in German. Is he speaking blasphemy here? People dismiss him as a blasphemer, but is he? Is he a blasphemer? Is he abusing the name and character of God and what he's saying? Or rather, is he speaking hyperbolically? Is he rather criticizing our culture and our own thoughts and actions and behaviors? See, I don't really think he thought God was dead. I, and I certainly don't think God is dead. Of course not. The eternal, living, transcendent creator of all things cannot succumb to what we know as death. Yet, can he not be dead to us? Cannot we live as if God did not matter and as if we mattered most? Yeah, I think so. I think he can be dead to us. I think he can be. You consider today's gospel, really. Look at today's gospel. There's a man, a paralytic, lying on a bed. And Jesus saw their faith, the people that brought the paralytic. And he said, son, be of good cheer. Your sins are forgiven you. I mean, that's really amazing, right? He saw the faith of others and, he, and, he, and he, he forgave the sins of the paralytic. How amazing that is. That is wonderful. And what do the professional clergy do? Because that's who the scribes are. They're the professional clergy. They're the people who make their living studying the Bible. And what do they do immediately? They think evil in their hearts and they say, this man blasphemes! Exclamation point. They're furious with Jesus. And knowing their thoughts, he said unto them, Why do you think evil in your hearts? For which is it easier to say, Your sins are forgiven you, or arise and walk? But that you might know that the Son of Man has authority to forgive sins. He then said unto them, Your sins are forgiven you. Now rise, take up your bed, and go home. And he did. And they hated him for it. They hated Jesus for it. Look at that. Incredible. You think they'd be thrilled that a man who was paralyzed now had a life. But they weren't happy with that. And if God were a living reality to these scribes, would they have called him a blasphemer? Right? I mean, that's the reason they crucified Jesus, remember? He was crucified for blasphemy. That's what, this, that's what this piece of artwork should always remind you of. That we, that humanity, crucified God's Son, the only man ever born without sin. We put him to death because we said he was blaspheming God. Maybe that's why the crucifix makes us so uncomfortable. Because it is uncomfortable. Blasphemy is a very, very terrible sin. It is the sin of literally violating God's power and majesty. It can be directed directly against God like it is in Revelation 13, 6, or his name in Romans 7, 24, or his word, Titus 2, 5. For Christians, blasphemy always included doubling, doubting Jesus' claims. Do we doubt his claims? 
If we are, we're blasphemers. Blasphemy can also be persecuting other Christians. That's blasphemy, 1 Timothy 1.13. And sadly, Christians can cause others to blaspheme Christ when they do not love their neighbor as their self. And are we guilty of that? Are we guilty of that? Of course we are. We're all guilty of that. So who's the real blasphemer? Who is the real madman? It's not Nietzsche. It's us. We're the real madmen. We are. I mean, Scripture tells us very clearly in Romans 14 that if your brother is grieved because of your food, just your food, and you are no longer, you are no longer walking in love, do not destroy your, with your food the one whom Christ died. Therefore, do not let your good be spoken of as evil. Yes, bad actions can cause blasphemy because they deny Christ and they resist his will or they bring his faith into disrepute. We, the Christians, are guilty of this, aren't we? See, that's the reason, that's the point of Nietzsche's fictitious madman. He's not saying that God is dead. He's saying that the Christians pretend like he's dead or they act like he's dead or they live as if God doesn't exist. And so why should anybody else believe in God? And we see this with these scribes. The very people teaching the Bible, that's what the scribes were, the people teaching the Bible, the people that are in charge of teaching the Bible are thinking evil in their hearts. Why? Because Jesus is doing good to somebody who desperately needs somebody to do good to him. Because how often are we the one doing the same? We resist God's will. We do not. We are not loving our neighbor as ourselves, are we? We're not. And that's the that's the crime of the of the scribes in this gospel lesson, right? Because if we really love God with all our heart, mind, and soul, and our neighbor as ourselves, we would we would not think evil in our hearts towards our neighbor. We would love our neighbor like we love ourselves. And today is, is, is our annual, you know, Sunday that we, we think about the budget for the, the coming year for the parish, right? And so, you know, when we think about that, we have to think about why we're robbing God. But, but you say, how have we robbed you? And God says to us in your tithes and offerings, you are cursed with a curse, for you have robbed me. Even this whole this whole nation, bring all the tithes into the storehouse that they might be food in my house, and test me in this, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open the windows of heaven and pour out such a blessing upon you that you will have not room to receive it. And I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes, so that he will not destroy the fruit of your ground. But when God calls us to account and promises us such a blessing for so little from us, do we still believe it?
And it sure feels like it when I read the news that there's a devourer devouring what we have. And maybe that's not accidental, huh? Maybe it's not merely politics. Maybe there's something more visceral, more religious, and more scriptural underneath it all. I seem to think there is. It just smells that way. Now, in many things, many more things than I really want to spend time this morning listing, I think that we are all, to a greater or lesser extent, like those people, as Isaiah says in the 29th chapter, who draw near to me with their mouths and honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far, far from me. Our hearts far from God. Too much, too much, too much so, I think. At least my, I know my heart is. And while we would never perhaps say, God is dead, right? We're not, we're not that crazy. Yet, how often do we act like it with our actions that, that do speak louder than our words? Our actions declare blasphemies louder than our words do. Or we act as if God did not matter as, or as if we mattered most as the individual confession and absolution right in the Lutheran worship, Lutheran worship the Blue Hymnal declares. It's true. Yet, Friedrich Nietzsche is right in one regard, or maybe two regards. He is right in the fact that God did die, and we did kill him. He's wrong in that he stays dead. No, on the, on, on, in, his, in his crucifixion, Christ did die. God did die. And, the, and God did die because we, we put him there. It was our sin that required his death. God, God the Son, Jesus Christ, was slain before the foundations of the world because he understood correctly that if he didn't die, if he didn't take our sins upon himself and bear our punishment, that we, we must go to hell forever and die there where the worm does not die and the fire is not quenched. He understood that. He understood that we were like, we are like that paralytic lying helpless on that bed, that we can do nothing to save ourselves. We, he understood that we cannot by our own reason or strength come to Jesus Christ nor believe in him, but that we have to be called by the gospel and enlightened with his gifts. And so to, to, to give these gifts validity, Jesus has to die. But he doesn't remain dead. That's where Nietzsche's wrong. He's not dead. He lives. And because he lives, we shall live also. Because Christ lives, we can come to the waters of holy baptism and know that we're born again of water and the Spirit and know that we have eternal life. That's the reason we keep water in the font. So when you walk by the font, you can put your finger in there and you can touch your forehead and remind yourself that you were baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. You have eternal life. You have it because Christ lives, because he is risen, because he's risen indeed. Hallelujah. And not only that, but Christ doesn't merely give us that certainty from the, the single event of our baptism because we confess one baptism for the forgiveness of sins, but he also, every Sunday, gives us his own body and blood to eat and drink for the certainty of the forgiveness of our sins. What a wonderful gift. What an amazing mercy. And, from, and when we come to communion, we are receiving the same message that that man laying on that pallet, paralyzed, received. We are hearing from Christ that our sins are forgiven. And if our sins are forgiven, then we have eternal life. Because the only thing that bars us from paradise is our sins. And Christ has taken them away. 
in the name of Jesus. Amen. Welcome this morning. We're really glad that you all are here, and uh, it's always a blessing to have every, everyone. Um, this uh, this morning, uh, at, after uh, late service in the afternoon at 3 p.m. in the afternoon, um, everyone here at Redeemer is, is encouraged and invited to come to Concordia. It's just on the north side there, just, just kind of south of Lucasens a little bit, right over by the vet, the veterinary hospital there, on the right side of the, of the four lane. They're going to have their annual Harvest Home Festival. And uh, yours truly has been invited to be the preacher, so I hope that you will uh, come. Uh, the, the great thing is that after the service is over, they have a really good, uh, a good feed going on, and all kinds of really great food and, and, and side dishes and various meats. It's really awesome. So I hope that y'all can join me for that. It's, it's a lot of fun and a great time to encourage and fellowship with other, other Lutherans. Then um, also this week we have on Tuesday the uh, elders and council meeting where we're going to be talking about financial things. Also, the financial cards have gone out, uh, you know, pledge cards that kind of, they look like this, they're more this color. Please fill them out and uh, to your best of your ability, as this, this gives us a, uh, an ability to kind of posit forward where we think the parish will be uh, financially for the next year. And, uh, and then the other thing that's coming up is next uh, Sunday afternoon at 4, we have Trunk or Treat. 
that Hector and Amanda are leading, uh, leading us with the youth, and uh, that should be a great time. Last year it was a lot of fun. I've already invited Concordia to join us for that, and they're going to support that as well. But please come. It's going to be great. Either come and have a trunk or, or come and get treats, right, you know, uh, if you want to. And, uh, but anyway, so that, it's going to be really fun. And then, of course, Wednesday night is Family Ed Night, and those have been really, really well attended this year. Uh, and even if you're not in family, even if you're not in catechism or kids' choir or practicing for the summer, for, for the Christmas program, It'd be great to have you here for, for Compline. It's short. It's just a nice uh, punctuation and little week to give you an encouragement about the things of God. So it's really nice. So I hope you can come and join us for dinner and be part of that as well. Very, very positive. Um, and then a, then we have a couple of prayer requests this morning. Uh, one is the Ellis's aren't here. Jonathan and Paige are on their way to Houston to MD Anderson to do sort of the last uh, battery of visits and, and check up some things before. Uh, she will have some surgeries later in um, early November, I believe. And then also um, uh, Hector and uh, Amanda asked that we pray for Hector's sister, Abby, and their unborn baby. Uh, at, it, well, how do you pronounce her, her name? Aspen? Okay. Uh, she is having some problems with the valves in her heart. And uh, how, how, far, how far along is she? Okay. So she's in the middle of her second trimester. Okay. So we pray for for, for uh, Abby and, and her unborn child um, as they as they go through this um, very very uh, scary time. Lord be with you. In peace, let us pray to the Lord for the peace that is from above and for the well-being of the churches of Christ and the godly unity of all Christendom. Let us pray to the Lord for this holy house and for those who in faith, piety, and the fear of God offer here their worship and praise. Let us pray to the Lord for Matthew and Eric, our shepherds and bishops in Christ, for all pastors and teachers and all people. Let us pray to the Lord. For our nation, all our people, our president and Congress, our governor and legislature, our judges and magistrates, and all who serve in public office, let us pray to the Lord. For the sick and the sorrowing, for those who mourn, for those who are in need and distress, for the homebound and the infirm, especially we pray this day for Mary Ann and Doris, for Alice and Bill, Joyce and Mary, for Mark and Eddie, Norma and Kim, Suzette, and Bob and Martha, Marilyn and Glenn, for Dean and Terry, Tony and Chris, Marion and Meredith, James and George, Larry and Earl, Suzette and Bob, Mallory and, and Mark, Hank and Haley, for Jay and Tracy, Michelle and Carl, for Karen and Jimmy, for Tina and Ainsley and Kevin and Ron, for Thelma and Jesse, for Ralph and Theo, for Easton and Doug, Hugh and Waylon and Ryan. We also pray for the families of our parish who mourn, especially the Heil family, the Blunt and Davis families, the Chant family, the Blackwell and Cooper families, the Tatum and Rogers family, the Tuckle family, the Gross family, the Floriantig and Parsons family, the Freeman family, the Nielsen family, the Osbacher and Schwartz families, and the Gallardi and Whitfield families. And we pray, Heavenly Father, also for those in our country's armed forces, especially Riley, Paul, Turner, uh, Paul, and Hayden. And we pray for all of our university students, including many 
Noah, Katie, Dylan, Aiden, and Jacob. And we pray for all of for all the people of God, uh, whatever their needs are, especially for those whom death is drawing near and for us all. That when our last hour shall come, we may depart this life in the confidence of a sure faith, the consolation of a right, devout, and holy hope, and in the communion of Christ, holy church. Let us pray to the Lord. Recalling those who've gone before us in the faith, and rejoice when you share with them the Sabbath rest which Christ has won for his people that together with them we may be found faithful in the day of judgment and rejoice in the day of the resurrection of the dead. Let us pray to the Lord. We finally pray especially um, for um, uh, Abby and uh, her unborn baby, Aspen, Hector's, um, Hector's sister. Lord God, Heavenly Father, you are the ones that caused the Virgin Mary to conceive, um, and, and you also brought life to the dead womb of Elizabeth and Sarah. You know, Heavenly Father, that when that a child is called a child in the womb, as, and the same word is used for a child wrapped in swaddling clothes and laid in a manger. And so we thank you for this life of baby Aspen, and we pray that you would be with her as she tries to get through this time. We know that there's no word too difficult for you, and that you can, you can heal us of all infirmities. And so we ask you, Heavenly Father, in the mercies that flow from the, from the life, death, and resurrection of your Son, Jesus Christ, that you would heal baby Aspen and help her to get through this difficult time so that, so that uh, Abby might welcome a healthy baby girl when, when uh, her, her time is come to, to be due. We ask this in Jesus' name. He lives and reigns with you, Heavenly Father, and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. We also... Um, we also um, ask that uh, we also pray for the the uh, Ellis's as they travel and all others who travel. Lord God, Heavenly Father, you watched over Abraham and Sarah their many years of pilgrimage, and you guided the uh, Magi safely to Jesus and back home again. We pray that you watch over uh, Paige and and uh, Jonathan as they travel this day to uh, Houston to MD Anderson. We pray that you'd be with them during their visit. That that uh, all. Uh, Decisions that are made regarding Paige's care will be for her benefit and the benefit of her family. And we pray, Heavenly Father, that when they return home, that their homecomings will be joyful. We ask this in Jesus' name, who lives and reigns with you, Heavenly Father, and the Holy Spirit, one God now and forever.